or three years ago, because I wanted to learn, I wanted to communicate with other colleagues in the business and professionals and how to grow. And the, the question I get more often than any other question is how do I build my real estate business? Most commonly from real estate agents. I get the question occasionally from investors and also sometimes from attorneys, but by far and most, the question I get over and over, I would say at least weekly, not quite daily, but a couple of times a week, is how do I get started? Or I'm in real estate, how do I build my business in, in real estate uh, through using probate? And you know, I have my answer. I'm not selling coaching. I'm not selling you data. I even have an affiliate uh, from data personally. So when I tell you what I think, I'm going to share based on my experience and my hopefully strength and, and, and hope based on what, what I've accomplished and inspire you to do the same. I try to be humble enough to stay in the part that I know about. And I would say my general answer, short version is, you know, if you learn about something, you become an expert, become valuable to your customers, then you'll figure out a way to deliver them the service and a product that they need. Now, I can say that, and that's worked for me, and I've helped a number of you. But if there's one person I know who has personally seen, I think, if not as many, maybe more, I think more than I have people, real estate agents in particular, particularly in Southern California where he does business, who've looked to start adding probate to their business or starting from scratch and using probate as the pillar to build a real estate practice. And there's one person I think who's done more than anybody as a practitioner, not as a salesperson, is Kevin Sales. He happens to be an executive at uh, Lincoln Title, I'm sorry, um, uh, Lincoln Title, uh, Lawyer's Title Company, um, as a title representative. But more than that, he's been a partner to me and a partner to many real estate agents in Southern California on building their pro their business and helping specifically using probate as a tool to do that. Kevin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Bill, it's always my pleasure to be here. So thank you for having me. I love I love talking probate stuff. It's what I do all day, every day. I know you do. And it's a couple of things just to add a little color to the story. So I used to, before I was an agent five years ago, I was in ma uh, management. And you're always looking for content to bring to your agents and tools to bring to them. And I saw Kevin had a program at the time, it was a Facebook group. And so I invited him to speak to our agents on probate. And I just saw how masterful he was with that. So we really met like a lot of agents, just kind of being exposed to the concept, didn't really focus on it, but really more as a matter of, here's a tool in your toolbox. And I, and I watched it. When I later left management, I was fired by the owner of the company. I, it's an interesting story. I still don't even believe it myself, but anyhow, um, and sought to relaunch myself, probate's where I went back to, and I went back to Kevin, and, and with him, a game plan how I'd build my business. So really, he goes back to the transition of this being an interesting idea to actually being a business for me. And I really owe him uh, a lot of um, appreciation for that initial support, especially. So he was, but again, not that he sold me as a coach, not that he sold me data, but really he kind of took me by the hand and said, let's go get business together and you do this part, I do this part, and it worked out for us. So really he was really there. And so I want you to listen to him today as a person who's seen people actually get those results. So Kevin, let's first talk, go back to the beginning. Why, and, and you've been in the business a while, you, you were a lender, I know, you've been titled for a while. Why is it that probate is, and I know you do other things also, but what do you see that's particularly rich for your business as well as rich for real estate agents in the probate space? Why do I see this as such a rich niche? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you right now. I think in 2008, it was 
that someone said, and, and I, I had probate experience at the time. I knew probate real well, but I think it really fell on me really hard. I was at some meeting and they said 10,000 baby boomers, 10,000 people a day are turning at that point, whatever it was, 62 or 65 or whatever age. And I realized, wow, you know, the our population is aging. You know, I look at my grand, my parents have all, have both outlived all of my grandparents by over a decade for each one of them. The grandparents mm -hmm. that lived the longest, both of my parents are, you know, 10 years older than both of them. So I just realized, you know, this is a niche that's going to continue. And, and the thing that I knew from probate is like, it's the, I always call it the ultimate distressed property, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm in foreclosure, I can have a nephew, cousin, son who can qualify for a loan. I, I get it refinanced, whatever the case may be. It's harder now with the rates being so high, but that's that was you know an exit strategy people used to use. But in probate, there's no getting out of it. It's the death that causes the sale of the property, and the death is not being reversed. It's 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 the person died, and so it's going to happen. And so. Yeah. Those things really kind of pointed me to the fact that this is going to be something that's going to keep on going. If back in 2008, you know, 10,000 people a day turning that age, it's going to just keep going. And I, I heard just like two weeks ago, um, some some company was giving a statistic and they were saying the 10,000 people a day is going to continue for another two decades in their mm -hmm. opinion. And so it's a niche that the, the baby boomers control the wealth. The wealth is in the real estate. It's a niche that's going to continue to be rich with business and it's not going to go away. Add that to the fact that so few people know, really know probate. Um, I've, I've read at least the time, you know, I, I've read every probate book out there. I've, I've looked at all the different trainings and material people brought. And I realized, you know, I, I'm a closing agent. So our job is to get the deal closed. So we have to be good on the intricate details, on the logistics, on exactly the step-by-step -step process. And I saw so many people that were just superficial, high level, glazing over, you know, how it works. And I just realized that this was a great place for me as a niche to be able to do probate and a great place for agents as well, because so many people know it. Still, it's a competitive niche, right? I mean, it's not like you're the only title representative who plays in the space. It's not like I'm the only realtor in LA County. I wish, uh, but it's not by a long shot. And there's some entrenched professionals, some really good on top of their game agents who've been at this a lot longer even than I have been. So when you see other agents looking to enter it, um, uh, do you recommend them to? And if so, why? And, and for those that you may not, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it's like anything else. There like you said, we're in Southern California. And unless you're in, there was years ago, I used to coach agents and I was coaching an agent um, in some area in Pennsylvania. It was not Philadelphia. It was not Pittsburgh. It was not like the major city areas. It was like a couple hours, let's say from Philadelphia. And in that area, there might not have been any agents that specialized in probate because there's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of agents in her, in her county. There were only a handful of probate cases filed every month. Okay, it's different there. In California, I don't care what niche you pick, pick in Southern California, there's always gonna be someone in that niche that knows it, that's probably, we're just, there, there's just too many people and, and nothing, no rock goes unturned. Right. But um, so so do I recommend it? I mean, I recommend it like anything, but it's, it's not gonna be easy. You know, people think, oh, I'm just gonna start because nobody's doing it and I'm gonna know more than everybody. And they get started and they think it's just gonna, be handed to them and then they realize oh wow there's people like bill gross and like others there's people that really know this business very well and and i'm going to have competition 
So that said, um, it's competitive, yet um, should real estate agents consider this as one for them to enter in that fray? Uh, and if so, what should, like, is there a minimum standard for them to consider this to focus on it? Or do some agents do better in this than others in your perspective? How do you recommend people when they say, should I jump into this uh, all the way? What, what, how do you answer them? You know, I would say if you... <laughs> Do you remember the Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid? I think um, Mr. Miyagi said, either you karate do yes, or you karate do no. If not, squash like grape, right? Either you do it or you don't. If you're in the middle, you're getting squashed like grape. A hundred percent. Yeah, and the only one <laughs> caveat I'll say is, to me, the yes or the no, the yes part is you have, there's, a, there's like a certain minimum level of things that you have to know. Everyone's not gonna have expertise and, and deep skill in it, but at least there's certain things you have to know so that you can get a transaction. You have to know, you know, I don't know if you want me to go into some of those things, but to, to give a couple of examples, you gotta- well, let's, hold, let's stop right there real quick. Let me do some housekeeping and kind of say where you are, and then we'll go to what you need to know in order to be successful. That's a great place, a great topic. I'm gonna keep everybody hanging through this, but just real quick, because we do want to kind of promote where we are and what we're doing. This is the uh, uh, Probate Weekly. We get together every Thursday, 4 p.m. For some reason, there we go. Um, for some reason, my shirt button was working. Our guest today is Kevin Sales. Kevin is an account executive with Lawyers Title Company. And there's a link there, and I'll put that in the notes as well to get in contact with him. Um, and so that's his expertise, and he's been in the lending and real estate uh, for, I think, is, is what should be a pretty long career. Uh, and... Um, Let's see here. I just want to all say this program is Probate Weekly. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. You can register. If you're watching this on the replay at probateweekly.com or see the old episodes at episodes.probateweekly.com. We continue the conversation after the call on our Facebook group, Probate Weekly. Love to have you come there. Ask questions. Look for referrals for attorneys or realtors around the country. Post your probate content to get more views and more eyeballs on it. Uh, my link tree, linktr.e slash Bill Gross, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, and um, in particular, promoting an email program. You can see that here on my link tree, the uh, email mastermind, real estate email mastermind, and program to really use email as a foundation of your business and marketing. And it's what I use to promote this call, among other things. And then I just wanted to add in addition to Kevin, uh, we'll talk a little bit about his book, Probate Real Estate Sales 101. It's available on Amazon. And again, I'll put the link in the show notes when we continue. Okay, great place to stop. Thanks for the cliffhanger. Uh, Kevin. So what are the minimum things that a real estate agent should know for them to be successful as a real estate agent in the probate niche? Thank you for that, Bill. So the 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 main thing you have to know is you so many people come to me with, oh, here's the scenario. So-and-so died, blah, blah, blah. And they don't even know where to start. They're just, here's a bunch of, to them, random facts, and they don't know how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. When to me, it is so, so simple. In, in California, and this varies state by state, I know you have a lot of times, Bill, people in other states. This can be very different in other states, so you gotta know that. But in California, if a person dies and their name is on title, not their business, not their trust, their individual name, it's going to probate, period, end of story. And people call me and ask, well, but what about, and, and I just wanna say like, certain things are black and white, like understand this, this is, this is the measure. Titles in John Doe's name, and you tell me he's dead. You 100% before you sell or, or finance or do anything on that property, 100% you got to see a judge, whether that's 
a Hickstead to go into a trust or a probate to get the property moved over into someone else's name, 100% it's going to, to court anyway, but I just say going to probate, okay? So that's the first thing. That's kind of like baseline. Second thing, where do you find that information? So many people pull up, oh, I pulled it up on Realist. I pulled up in the MLS. I, I pulled up on some online source. To me, it's, it's just, again, I'm entitled, so I guess I'm biased that way. Pull a copy of the deed. I have people that have come to me and said, oh, yeah, it's, it's this scenario. We pulled the deed and go, no, did you see that the deed two years ago, grandma added this grandson and their joint tenants? So when grandma died, it's grandson's property. So you got to know, how do I know who's on title, which is pull the deed, copy of the deed. And if you don't know where you get that, any title in California, this is the way we do it. Any title company gets you copy of the deed. So call me. So many people, they're looking at a profile. They're looking at realists. That's not always a 100% accurate reflection of how they hold title. 80% is good, but it's not always 100%. Okay. Yep. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, okay, if it was John Doe and he's gone, then, then, um, then I know it's going to probate. Likewise, if there's 10 names on title and all of them are dead, you know, they got to go to probate. And then we can get in, we can get into a lot of detail, details if they have tenants in common or joint tenancy and all that. But th those those baseline things are so important. Well, everybody on the call is watching on the Zoom call. Feel free to put your contact info in so we can all network, put down what where, where you do business. If you're not a realtor, what you're looking for, how we can help you, how we can do some business together. Uh, it's my program, so you're welcome to network all you want here, chat with each other, love to have you meet each other. So, Kevin, you mentioned a phrase I get all the time. Oh, it doesn't have to go to probate because it, it was supposed to be a trust, so they get an extended petition. And I literally had that conversation with somebody today. I said, well, really, that's bad news because today to file a Hegstead, your hearing date is six months out. You could open the probate, get authority, and sell the house before then. But with a Hegstead, yes, it's not. It's in probate court, actually, literally. it's That's the court that's going to hear your Hegstead petition. But it's going to be six months. No, you don't do a full probate. But your attorney's fees in the Hegstead could be as much as a whole probate with the fees by the time you're done. And if you have an objecting error, then it's even worse than all that. So sometimes people have a little info and they don't really have the whole story and they can lead themselves into some trouble. Um, so let's talk about getting the data. So you mentioned now as a real estate agent, very, I mean, a lot of realtors don't know this. You know, In the MLS, we have realist data and it allows us to look at the public record. It will reference any deeds that are recorded theoretically. Uh, and then we can pay them, we could buy them, uh, and and through that service you pay like a buck fifty a document or something. But there's also services I know, Kevin, you give to clients, some clients, I guess, as a process, as a screen process, some tools to help them. Talk a little bit about the tools of working with a great title rep like yourself. Absolutely. So um one thing, and I'll start with least to best. Okay, so so we have online app right on your phone. You can pull up any property. I think you can even like hold the camera on the property and it'll, if you don't know the address, you just hold the picture of the camera of the property. It'll go search through Google. It'll fit, say, oh, this is one, two, three Main Street. And then it'll pull up a property profile from that. From there, you can look at the documents. Uh, you can do that online as well. I hype I, for, 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 other states, I recommend using that. That's the best thing that I have that I can give for other states. For California, um, our customer service department is 
the top way, the best way, which is you can call or email customers. And I'll put their info in the chat. And when you call or email them, they will give you whatever documents are on the record. Um, just earlier, I was I was looking at a client of mine. They wanted uh, they wanted to see how title was held. They wanted to know the property. So we sent them the most recent deed. And they said, no, this is the deed when they originally bought it from 2016. What they didn't understand is when we order the most recent deed, it means exactly what it says, the most recent deed. It, I don't know about deeds they thought they recorded. I don't know about deeds they wanted to record but didn't record. I don't know about the deeds they intended to record but never recorded. All I know is this is the most recent one that's recorded on the public record. Whatever they should have done or could have done or wanted to do and never got around to isn't going to be reflected there, of course. But whatever the last deed they did is what we sent them. And so that's important to note because, um, you know, to me, it's so black and white. When we look at the public record, if this is the last deed recorded, that's it. There's nothing after that. It doesn't matter that they meant to mail it and it got lost in the post. You know, it's the last deed that's on the public record. It's kind of black and white in, in my world. We have a couple of people on watching on Facebook who asked the question. If you're watching Facebook or YouTube on the live stream, you're welcome to put a comment in there and we'll I'll catch around. What site is it? Realist, R-E-L-S. It's actually R-E-L-T-X. I'm in the MLS. In fact, I'll show you guys um, what it looks like for me as an agent. Share a screen. So this is our MLS. And almost all MLSs are the same. They have something like this where you put in the address of a property, um, um, I'll put in a listing I have, H-O-B-A-R-T. And if you have the right county selected, you can search by owner name also, or APN, and you search and it brings you into this app that gives you public record information. If you hit the right property, it brings you right to the property. And what's nice is if you scroll down, you'll see the uh, information, if there's a mortgage history, last sales, uh, in this case, this listing is my listing. Actually, the property is um, listed for sale. The other way you can get to this data, if a property is listed, I'm going to shortcut myself here and go back, is if you pull up a listing in the MLS. So again, this is my listing. It's pending and ready to close. But if you click on, instead of the MLS number, you click on the, um, I'm sorry, you click on the MLS number, and then you click on the APN, it brings you back to what I call the property profile those public records. Now, the problem is this information may or may not be accurate. This is what Kevin referred to is might be or might not be accurate. This list down here probably has most these, but not, again, may or may not be accurate. And so this is what why you, this is a good place to start. I find it's a good thing to send to the title rep and say, this is what we're working on. Can you help me? And their customer service then can pull the more detailed information or if you're if you have their app you can go in and look on on your own but that's kind of what we're referring to as far as the data so yeah. and bill i want to cover real quick why why i say it's not 100 accurate so the 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 information you find on any of the online platforms realist title pro 247 any other title company app that that information is not looked at by a person the computer is you know ai or whatever right. it's taught to read documents it's real easy to teach the computer Deed. If you see the word grant deed, that means it's a deed. If you see quick claim deed, that's another form of deed or trust transfer deed, it's a deed. So it will reflect those things. What it cannot do is it cannot read a court order to determine who the court distributed the property to. It cannot read an order that corrects um, that corrects title. It cannot read a corrective deed that's changing something from a previous deed. So certain 
things that are, you know, maybe 20% of what's out there, it cannot read, so it won't reflect those. So if grandma has a property, then there's a court, a probate case that distributes the property to me, the, the title is going to show grandma's name still. A lot of times, once the assessor reassesses and changes it, then it might pull in the new data, but, um, but that's why. So I just want to make sure that was clear. And I think it's a new phenomenon that the county seems to be almost underwriting the recordings. It used to be everything got recorded automatically. And it seems like nowadays we get deals kicked back from the county saying you didn't have this extra number on it. You didn't reference this deed. You didn't reference this case number, which in some ways is good, right? They're getting more accurate data, creates more work. It's very frustrating, but really the older data, you can record anything. So like you say, if they didn't make that change properly 30 years ago and they redid the deed 15 years ago, based on that wrong information, when it comes time to pull the Todd report and close escrow, you're gonna have a problem. So let's talk about then, is the best practice to get a preliminary Todd report when you list the property Absolutely. on a probate? Absolutely, when, when you have a, a probate case, the second you have the listing sign, you should have a prelim. In my opinion, maybe even before that. So for instance, when that person, so technically they don't have the power to sign a listing until letters are issued. Even though I even know some attorneys that'll say, no, you know, once they retain me, go ahead and, and sign the listing agreement. For sure, no later than when the listing agreement is signed, you should pull title. Yeah. But really when they when the case gets started, if you get them with an attorney, they sit down with that attorney, they hire that attorney, pay the retainer, whatever they want to get the process started um, and pay the filing fee to get, get the case filed, you should be calling me at that moment and we open title because it gives you more time to resolve issues. When we're dealing with deceased parties, I, what I have found on title, about 35 to 45% of the time, there is some issue. A mm. lot of them are easy to resolve issues, but some of them take mm. a little more time or they're a little bit more difficult. Mm. And the problem is sometimes no one knows anything about it. Mm. I've seen numerous times there's a loan. Everyone knows grandma's property has always been paid off, but there's a loan on the property. Like we didn't know she had a loan. So no one knows about the loan. No one knows what bank owns that loan. No one knows where to find it, but the loan is recorded against the property. Right. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, I would say 30 to 45% of the time we find some problem it's, and it's almost hot or cold. It's either the pre the prelim is or the title is clean as a whistle, or we find some problem that needs to be resolved or needs to be dealt with. And so it's, it's highly recommended that you do that. And even like, sometimes I'll do this very often for clients of mine, you don't have the listing yet, but you are going after this. You're, you're working with someone. I've even had agents say, Hey, Kevin, I've been calling them. You know, they answer my calls, but I, I, I don't really have anything to say, but I, I want to keep contacting them. I'll tell them, give me the address. Let's pull up the property and see what we can find. Because even before you get the listing, I can do some research to see, I won't do a prelim until you have the listing or at least until they, they we know that the attorney is going to make sure they use title with me because we don't want to do all that work and, you know, not have a deal. But at least what I can do is I call it my five point check. There's five areas that I look at and those are the areas where we most commonly find an issue. I do my five point check. So you can always call me and say, Kevin, can you do my five, your five point check on this property? I do my five point check and, and see, and a lot of times I find issues there. And I've had agents call me back and say, you know what? After I called the attorney, the attorney didn't really like talking to me or didn't want to hear from me, wouldn't return my calls. When I called him about the problem you found on your five point check, guess what? He called me right away and said, what, what's going on? What's the problem? You know, I said, good, that's, you, you did it the right way. We found an issue that needs to be resolved and you're the hero because you're the one that found the issue. 
and almost by definition, a probate by definition is a title problem, right? There's nobody alive who can sell the property. We're going to go through a court process to get somebody to be able to sell the property. And, and so that requires reviewing the court documents to see if they're authorized or not. And so I think just be on guard. That's always the issue. And they tend to be older liens that are missing, loans, taxes unpaid, all kinds of stuff that, you know, uh, divorce, you know, spousal liens from 25 years ago. I've seen um, bonds, you know, like um, jail bonds. People had liens on properties and get cleared off the property. Maybe got paid back, but they never cleared it. I've seen all, because it's just if you have older title report, that's kind of the nature of it. Um, okay, and I saw on our, Facebook, on our Facebook question that the person asked about real estate tax, real estate data was in Florida. There's an equivalent in Florida and find your title rep in Florida. Um, and I'm sure your MLS has something similar. Uh, my experience is almost all MLSs across the country have some sort of public record data service as part of the package that you get as being part of the multiple listing service. So I would check into that. That's okay. Important, Bill, because, you know, like I own, you know, because I've been on your investors uh, call too, uh, I own property in other states and in other states, they don't go to the title company in some other states. They don't go to the title company to get that information. The agent has access to it. So there's there's bound to be something that the agent has that pulls up that data for them. Got it. Um, yeah, there's always something. And, and I think other states you use, instead of escrows, you use uh, real estate attorneys. And so, and again, I would talk to that real estate attorney. They usually have a title company they work with that has access to this data. They have a service of some sort. Regina Wayne, a colleague of mine, had a question for you talking about uh, you mentioned in the intro of the call uh, that you uh, get these phone calls. Literally, Kevin, uh, uh, before you started, uh, we were talking, uh, Regina and I, about a title case. And I said, whoa, 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 that's too good. This is the kind of thing that we want to have on the call and have record and share with people. So, Regina, I don't know if you're if you're there. You want to unmute yourself and or start your uh, video. I'd love to have you join our call. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um yeah, my question was, and Kevin actually was helping me with this question. Um, I have a probate listing right now, just got it. And um Yay, hold on. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and the PR, the PR uh under the um IAEA, um, she told me that uh, her attorney told her it was gonna take a couple of weeks before the uh court ref goes out to appraise the property. And of course, I sent the, the ref some information to try and help him with the value. You know, I sent pictures, uh, inspection report, cost report, and all of that. But then I was on another call today, and they were saying, well, under the IAEA, you don't need a court appraisal. Yeah, so that, that's, that's partially correct, but that's actually not a correct statement. So okay. every property, they're going to appraise because the court... And for tax purposes and for numerous reasons, you have mm. to know the value of the property. Okay. So they always do, uh, a, I don't use the word appraisal. I call it the referee's opinion of value. An appraisal okay. means I go out to the property, I go inside, I walk the area, I drive comps in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. A lot of referees, at least the ones here in LA County, they don't do any of that. They pull mm. up the property, they're required by law to get a photo of the property, which I don't think the referee even takes. I think they pay someone else to take that. And mm -hmm. then they pull comps. But Regardless of what they do or what we want to call it, there's going to be an opinion of value on every property. When okay. it's authority, the opinion is not as important as it is with limited authority because with full authority, you can sell it for whatever price you want. There's no requirement to sell it for any certain price. When mm -hmm. it's authority, you're required. And I've seen actually some rejections recently where the court rejected the sale because it was not 90% 
of the referee's opinion of value. So it's more important when it's limited authority, but it happens all the time. Okay, thanks a lot, Kevin. And you know, the thing that's strange to me is that my uh, PR was telling me that her attorney told her uh, that the value has to be within 90% of the sales price. And I'm thinking also under the IAEA, because I've done one where that wasn't the case, yeah. you know? So, so again, that's, that's in the guideline in the law for limited authority sales. The, the, like I said, I had recent this year, the judge reset, rejected a sale because the sale price was not 90% of what the referee put as the opinion of value, right. but in full authority. So just, you can just see this logically in full authority. So in limited authority, you sell the property, you file with the court to get a hearing mm -hmm. and at that hearing, they approve the sale. So the judge right. is like, what's your price? And they're going to approve it. And there's an overbid process. Right. Okay. That doesn't happen with full authority. With full authority, you sell the property and you do a notice to everyone, letting everybody know we're selling this property. But mm -hmm. other than that notice, after you sell it, then you go back to the court when you're doing your, um, your, your closing. At that point, then you go back and report, we sold the property for this amount, generated this cash, blah, blah, blah. So the, the judge, so to speak, doesn't even really know the price you're selling it for other than they do file a notice of proposed action, but they're right. not supervising the sale. So okay. that that's, you know, that. Yeah, that's how, that's how it went. The one I did before, that's exactly how it went. So I don't know why this attorney is telling her, you know, the price has to be within 90 yeah. percent, you know, of the so, of the value. So I'll add a couple. If I got a little color to this also a couple things. One is that on a full third, you need a date of death estimate value um, on a limit authority you need two date of death and within one year of the sale date and so that's where it can hang up a sale now on a full authority you might think you don't need it and you're selling along and i've had this happen now the blue one of the errors says hey you sold it too cheap and so <clears throat> then you have to go back and scramble and go through the confirmation sale process and, and require even though you have full authority and I've, I've sold property full authority oh, wow. <laughs> that need court because they couldn't resolve things with the heirs the only resolution was to say the judge you know please confirm the sale the other thing i'd say to you is there are attorneys who don't really know the whole thing and they piece together belts plus suspenders plus more belts plus more suspenders to be extra safe and so this might be a case where the attorney knows it's safer to get an appraisal but it doesn't necessarily and the truth is it it's not really because the probate referee report is a very limited value, in my opinion, but the attorney feels more comfortable requiring it. And so mm. sometimes I think our job as probate experts is to know the rules so that when attorneys who maybe know a lot about the law, but not a lot about this part that relates to real estate, we can say, hey, I am an expert on this. Let me share with you what my experience is. Let me share with you you know, what the disclosures are and what we show. Let me show you kind of how this works, or let me introduce you to my tunnel rep and we can walk you through together as a team because it's hard it's hard to correct an attorney when they think they're right but part of the job is to help them understand that they may not know everything and your job is to help fill in those gaps so just be aware that okay. just because the attorney says it's raining outside doesn't mean you should bring an umbrella and galoshes yeah thank you and i know it's a delicate situation because my pr had already um contacted this attorney before i even met her and the attorney is in Fresno. And when I went on the website, you know, they're advertising themselves as probate experts, expert mm -hmm. attorneys, mm -hmm. you know? So that's why I couldn't understand why, 
you know, they were telling her that, you know, she had that property had to be sold at 90% of the value when she's under IAEA. Right. And some say they're just being conservative, but they're just, you know, yeah. it, but I don't think it's conservative to hold up your sale. The other thing about probate referees is that technically they have 60 days from the file date to turn in the report mm -hmm. and they don't have to adjust it. So sometimes you, you can order the report and it comes in real low. And if one of the errors, you know, uh, sees it, it just triggers potential. I'm sorry, if it comes in too high, it just, now the error goes, well, hey, you're selling for 600,000 and they say it's 800,000. Well, yeah, because you showed them the internal pictures and maybe the house is uninhabitable. The probate referee didn't even look at that. He just zilled it and says, oh, it's 800,000. Now mm. the error says, well, I want 800,000. And you've really boxed yourself in a situation there. So I would mm. always, you know, there's a uh, saying by Elon Musk, the best part is no part. If you don't need the appraisal, I wouldn't order. I think you're potentially opening a can of worms. Yeah, you, they already that, they already ordered it. But you know what? I went ahead and sent the um, the ref pictures, interior pictures, cost sheet, and all that. Whatever I can do to help them, you know, because the last thing I want right. is a a big difference in the value in case the heirs challenge it. And I know that my PR has been having problems with some some of the heirs, so I, it's probably better to have it. You know, get well, that information. Well, you need it for date of death for taxes. So you have to have it for yeah. the probate. You'll need it for the sale. And, yeah. and the last thing I'd say yeah. is the, you're going to have to have it in the case and, and you're, you're kind of walking between the middle of you. <laughs> if the referee comes in too high, then you sell it for less. Now the heirs are looking at you. Why'd you sell it right. for so cheap? Did you sell it to a friend of yours? Right. You, back? you don't want that. Right. If exactly. puts it too low, it's a problem for the estate because now the IRS is going to say, oh, the date of death value was only 400000 and you sold it for six. So you have $200,000 in gain since since the person died. Yeah. We want taxes on that mm. gain. Whereas if the referee had put <laughs> wow. it at six and you sold it gotcha. for six, they would say there's no gain. So you you, you don't want it too high. You don't want, it's like, uh, oh. the, what's it, the three little bears or whatever it's called? I don't yeah. know. What Goldilocks. Mm. Goldilocks, yes, Goldilocks. Wow, guys. You don't want it too high. Wow. You don't want it too low. You want it just right. Yeah, thank you so much for clarifying that. Wow, that does uh, make a big difference. Regia, thank you for bringing the question to the call. Um, and wait, and thanks for waiting. I think it's a good one for everybody to talk about that. Um, okay, so questions in the chat box from Barbara. Um, do you do business in Georgia? I know the answer is no. He's. Uh, I, I have to be very careful to not get Kevin in trouble or else he won't talk to me again. So uh, no, he's licensed in California. He only does title work in California. Go ahead, Kevin, you can answer that one. Unless Sorry? If it's commercial or larger than say 10 million where it makes sense for more than one title company involved, yeah. But if, if it's commercial, I do commercial nationwide, but on residential, no, I don't do regular residential in any other state other than California. Um, um, Barbara, I'd love to chat with you as we build out our team. Uh, uh, I have a team member in Athens, Georgia, looking for somebody in Atlanta. So uh, maybe we could chat and find a good title rep there to work with on the smaller stuff until we get a $10 million deal to bring to Kevin. Um, uh, Dean says that uh, access agent, uh, your fiduciary, your responsibility to get the most out of the property as possible. I agree. In fact, that's why rarely do I double in, particularly on probate. How do you justify having a contract with a estate and then turning around and double ending and saying I'm the best realtor to sell the property also? I negotiated as hard as I could to get top dollar. It just doesn't make sense. So I think it's really important to um, to be fair to our customers. Um, let me see, is that, okay, that covers our chat box. So uh, my list of questions next is, with the realtors that you work with, Kevin, what's the best, what are the lead generation methods that you see that agents use that are successful in helping them build their business? 
I'm going to answer this, and people may not like this and this answer. Oh, good. Mine because they hate mine too. So go ahead. Because it's not what most people think. I think it's consistency and I was going to say determination, but I guess diligence is what I'm going to say. Because it doesn't matter. Call, door knock, email, phone, TV ads, whatever you want. Everything works. Mm -hmm. It's about do you do it consistency consistently and do it enough. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a TV commercial, I may not see it because when the commercial comes on, I leave every time to go to the restroom. But you know what? If you show that same commercial every time, at one point, I've already gone to the bathroom enough. I've already got my popcorn. I've already got my soda. So I'm going to sit there and watch it. If the commercial comes on every commercial break, I end up seeing it. My point is, you know, I'm the type of person, I read my mail. If you email me on my home email, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to see it. It's just the way it is, right? But the, the person who doesn't read their email answers their phone. The person who doesn't answer their phone reads their snail mail. The person who doesn't read, who reads their, doesn't read their snail mail is on Facebook all day, every day. So you, every person is different. You have to do what you're going to do and you have to be diligent. And in this world, we don't ever get them all. I think I can do every single title order that's in the state of California. I really can't. And I don't. I get Wouldn't it be nice meant for me and, and other people get their portion. And so, we're, you know, you have to. So I, I can't tell you this method or that method. I say do it and do a lot of it and, and do it as, as well as you can. And, you know, I'm you know, we're we're all salespeople to me. I, I would you, you tell me, would you rather talk to a potential client on the phone or be in person with them? Would you rather have email or text communication with a client or be in person? And I'm not talking about time constraints. I'm talking about you have the opportunity to get this listing. Would you rather do that listing presentation via mail or in person, right? So naturally, I mean, it's a belly-to-belly -belly business. So in person as much as possible is always good. But I don't, I don't tell people, oh, you got to do this method or that or do this more than that. It all works. You just got to do a lot of it. So we all have to do it. in our business in life. We all have to do a lot of work. And, and that's what gets the business. And so you must see agents who develop their probate business using various lead generation techniques. Absolutely. I see all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a good question. And I, and I answer it a little differently, same, but different, which is, Figure out what you're what you are good at and what you like doing, and do that. And yeah. in my case, it started going to court every day. I really enjoyed it, and I was good at. It. I look like an attorney. I sound like an attorney. I know attorneys. Like it worked for me. It doesn't work for most people. Most people didn't don't live as close to court as me. They don't. They're not as old as I am. They don't have white hair. I used it to my advantage rather than a disadvantage. So you want to play to your strengths and um, make it work for you. So oh, that's a great answer. I love that one. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that helps agents learn the business is getting a sense of the business being done, who the players are, i.e. database data. Uh, do you recommend agents to um, subscribe to a data service to learn that? And if so, is there one in particular that you work with or several that you work with? Um, you're talking about to get leads? Well, it could be leads. It could be to research. But yeah, uh, the data of the filings. Yeah, I, I'm an advocate, you know, and, and look, in in certain counties in California, like Sacramento County, it used to be San Diego, but I think they changed their website. So I'll, I'll take San Diego off the list, but, I, but I've heard this in Sacramento and probably various other counties. 
Some counties, you can go online and get all the information you want. LA recently changed their, their website where you used to be able to get the first page of every document for free. And we used to love that because we could pull our letters off of there, et cetera. Now you can't get the first page free. You got to pay for it. It's only a buck, but you got to pay for it. So it, it depends on, on where you are, but I'm, I'm typically an advocate of just pay for the data because, you know, if you can just sit there and click one button and then you have all the records of, of the filings and it's just dial for dollars, you know, this is just a real general statement. Um, I remember, and Bill, you, you know, we, we, we go back to your days as a, a manager in, in real estate and you guys used to have, I don't remember what you called them, but I called them calling parties or calling nights. Um, and, and you're phenomenal at that, by the way, but back in, in those days, you know, to me, it doesn't make sense to sit down and look at every person I'm going to call and, you know, analyze it and stuff before I call them. Because I do all that work. It takes me 20 minutes to figure it out. And then guess what happens? I call them. The phone number's wrong. So I spent 20 minutes on nothing. Yep. Why not? You know, I, I say leads are like seeds, right? It's like <laughs> I go when I go by celery seeds to plant. I don't look at every celery seeds are tiny. I don't look at every seed and go, do I want to plant this one? This looks like a good seed. It's a nice shape. I'm going to plant them. No, I throw a hundred of them on the ground, cover them with dirt, water them, and then whichever plants pop up are the ones I nurture. And it's go. the same way we have to deal with, with leads. When you're, when you know, probate, there's a ton of it, not a ton, but there's quite a few cases filed every single month. Buy them from a source, you know, retrain is one. Um, probate money is another one. Those are two I've liked in the past. Um, retrain is had some some issues i think recently and probate money changed there so i don't even know how good they are to this day but for for years retran and probate money were the two best in la county in my opinion yeah. and um you know that you can go on there buy the leads and, and then market to those folks so it's it makes it simple and easy i'll put in the chat box i have a link on my website vlaprobateexpert.com on the far right probate resources there's a list of data companies and it varies based on what county you're in quite a bit actually so in California, we have a lot of options in the bigger counties, less in the more rural counties and in other states you have less, but uh, check it out. And if you have good experience with any one of them, please let me know. Uh, and if you have bad experience with any of them, please let me know. I'd love to always be a source of that information. Um, okay. Let's talk about probate real estate sales 101, uh, your book. Uh, what, what was the prompt you to do that? And what do you find people get who read your book? What do they tell you they learn from it? I'll tell you exactly what prompted it. Two things. Number one, I always wanted to be an author. I thought that would be cool. I should write a book. Had no clue what I wanted to write. I thought author, I'm going to write a novel or something like that. Mm -hmm. Number two, I'll tell you exactly why I wrote that book. One day, and this was like 2014 or 2015, I was sitting there. Agent calls me. They heard, if you need if probate, you need to talk to someone who knows, call Kevin. I, I pick up the phone go through the whole, the same thing. Hey, grandma died, blah, blah, blah happened. And, and we, I ask the questions and we go through the whole, the whole data I need to gather and I help them. This is what needs to happen. You need to start a probate, blah, blah, blah. Hang up that phone call. The very next phone call, like two minutes later, another agent, those two don't know each other, totally different scenario, but the same scenario, right? Different property, different area, different person, but it's the same exact thing. And I went through all the same things, answering the same questions, asking the same questions, gathering the same data, giving similar a similar recommendation. And I sat there and I realized there should be a book that tells people this information so that they know how to find it. And that's that's what prompted me to write the book. 
I'm 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 at that age where when I was young and we had to write a, a, a book report or had to write a, a report on a cheetah. I go to the CH portion of the encyclopedia. We had these brown encyclopedias. I don't remember what brand it was. But we had these brown encyclopedias. I go find CH. I turn to Cheetah. There's a little photo of them. There's a write-up. There's all this information. I'm like, great. Got my information. I can write my report. That's how we did research back in the day. We'd go look in a book. So that's kind of what made me think about this. Nowadays, I guess you would ask Chat GPT. But the the you know, I said I read the, the reason when I wrote this book. I said I want my book to be different and better. I don't know if it's better or not, you know, my own opinion, right? But what I did was I read every probate book that I could find on the MLS that was supposed to teach an investor or a real estate agent. I bought all of them and read all of them. And I was like, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion. I just thought I'm going to write something way better because the detail, I'm a closing agent. We, I do not get paid a dollar unless a transaction closes. I get paid a portion of the closing. That is how my compensation works. So I don't get paid for doing all the things that I do on a daily basis. I get paid for people sending me a title order and that title order closes. Having said that, I knew if I could, I knew that means I have to know the detail on how you close. I have to know the step type, step process. The I can't speak high level. Oh, you probate the property and then you get the deal to close and sell and sell it and you close. I have to know specifically. Here's what you do. Oh, there's no attorney. Here's what you're going to have to do, agent, to help that client close the deal. Oh, there is an attorney. Here's what you ask them or tell them or send them or receive from them. I, I knew I had to know the detail and I wanted that detail in the book. So I know I, I got a copy of the book from you and then I, there's a company that you do business with that buys your books and gives them out as a as a premium. And I, I got one that way. I've read the book. I think the difference is your book is way from a, is to a practitioner of real estate where there are other books for attorneys and there's books for executors. Um, to my knowledge, there's only one really written uh, for real estate agents on how to build your business and recommend it strongly. And I don't want to make it sound like I just read the book. That's all I did. Like Kevin, I read a lot. I watch a lot of YouTubes. I interview people all the time, but is a great fundamental uh, starting point to learn about the business overall. So thanks so much for, for sharing that. Um, okay. So I think I put the link in the book. Uh, I put it on the YouTube, but let's go ahead and put it there. It's in the chat box. Love to have you buy the book and all that. Okay. Next, you work with a lot of real estate agents. Some good ones, some bad ones. You've worked with people who haven't done a deal in 10 years, but come to the office party every week. You work with some who are huge producers who do business day in, day out, every month at the top of the game. What's the difference between those who uh, can transition and build a business like this in this niche and those who talk about it and never really get it done? It's funny because it's, it's, it's glaring and clear. It's almost like a billboard how easy it is to know the difference and to answer that question. It's the ones that invest the time, money, and energy in marketing themselves. You know, years ago, I was looking at an agent. I was like, why is it that this agent, every time I come in their office, they always have a new deal. And I started paying attention to them. And one of the things I noticed is every deal, they close a deal. They got 500 postcards going on. Every day, when I see them on whatever day it was, Thursdays, they're coming back from door knocking. You know, um, when the mortgage meltdown happened, part of my territory was like it was it was like it was like the black hole. Like I'm there and it was just dark and no one had business. And it was it was just it was almost negative energy for me to go into that part of my territory. Wow. 
into another part of my territory. And I'm talking end of the day, six o'clock, like, like now it's getting dark and there's seven agents in the parking lot. We're going door knocking. You know, I, I'm there at 12. We're coming back from door knocking. I'm like, okay, there's a reason these folks have deals because they're out doing the work. They're not in their head about, oh, business is so bad or it's Christmas time or, you know, no, they're out there working. And so over, and I've been in the business around 30 years uh, in, in the business of real estate. I've been in title companies for, it'll be 25 um, in, in 2024. So I've seen it over a lot of years that the people that consistently work their business out there are the ones that have problems. Yeah, I think it's whatever you do, whatever they do is consistent effort over time. And uh, there's no substitute. You know, I, I didn't set out to do social media. When I met you, I, I had a whole business launch going to court. COVID changed that. I didn't have a choice and I had to rewrite it. Um, and people always ask, often ask me, how do I build my YouTube channel? And the answer is every day I work at it. Every day I look at the numbers. Every day I look at the views, subscriber counts, who's watching what, and what leads I'm getting as a result of it every single day. It's not different than cold calling. It's not different than door knocking. It's just a different activity. And so for everybody, it, it really does require, I think, consistent effort. And then true or not true, Kevin, you've been around maybe not quite as long as me, but you've been quite a, a, a while. I don't want to date you or overhate you and insult you. I'm but 22. You're how, I'm sorry? I'm 22. It's, it's tough years, man. That title business is tough at 22. Hold it. You got a kid older than that. That's I know it's not right. You got a son who's... I have two kids older than that. I was going to say, at least one that I know of. Uh, when I graduated college a year or two ago, right? Uh, yeah, actually, he's senior year now. Graduate, couple of graduating high school. One's a senior year right now. Was going to colleges. I think. I think I, uh, pre-COVID or during COVID time, you were like traveling or something. Anyhow, um, true or not true, the people who are really successful today, for the most part, are the people who were working day in day out ten years ago and are pretty much doing the same thing they did ten years ago. It's just the accumulation of all that work, not some dramatic change in tactics or strategy. True or not true true so true it doesn't let that sink in everybody it doesn't happen overnight no it just I doesn't I, I i'm thinking of one client that i remember when they started in their niche that they're working on and they're killing it in their niche now and i'm thinking of another client who wanted to do probate got the leads was heavy on it. and i mean like calling me heavy on we talked to like make sure they understand the process how it works they talked they're heavy they started buying leads they started calling the the first call like one of their first 10 calls, they got an excellent lead. They're like, we're going to kill this, right? One week later, oh, we're not doing probate no more. One week? Wow. It takes a little while. You, you, you know, you, it takes time to get traction. It takes time to build that background. It takes time for word to get out where, where your work you've done a long time ago is still paying you dividends. You know, uh, the average lead, this is data from uh, CRM companies consistently because they have your data, right? They're buying the leads and they go into the database that is created in the day of closing. The average date is always more than two years on average. It doesn't mean they all take two years or more. <clears throat> Certainly some are a week or 30 days. But if you're not playing at least to the average, if you're not marketing to people you talk to for at least two years, you're leaving at least half the business on the table. By definition. So, in fact, and you and I, when I started and relaunched probate, 
after about six months, I got a client that had like 20 something properties. Okay. It was a it was a daughter of a personal friend, but I met her in court. So if I wasn't going to court, even though I knew her, I never would have found out about the business. Had I not taken the classes, I wouldn't know how to gauge her in a way that would have led to the listings. And by the way, all those listings were court confirmation and they all fell apart when COVID hit and we ended up reselling them uh, a second and third time. So it sounds great and it was great, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's great experience more than it was money because I had those same escrows for a year because of COVID and a lot more smaller land and difficult properties, but it's great experience. And so I think oftentimes we think if I don't get something in 90 days, I'm going to give up. And I, that's the magic's going to happen somewhere between 90 days and six months if you're consistent, stay at it. Okay. So in your capacity, uh, I know you used to, I don't know if, if you uh, have restarted or not, pre COVID, you were regularly going to real estate office meetings, real estate office events. You were hosting uh, or speaking at real estate events um so now here we are 2023 december um are you it seems to me like office meetings are still still way low from where they used to be here in the la area still 10 to 20 percent of the attendance that used to be 10 to 20 percent of the uh, events what do you see uh, as far now i'm in metro la i know you're maybe a little south and i know you used to do more business in the south bay as well what do you see as far as in office activity uh, sales meetings, in-office activity of uh, sales training in offices versus online. Yeah, I'm seeing just that. Um, a portion of it died out completely. Uh, a, a large portion of it is more online than in person. And like you said, a small portion still happens online where, where there's actually live meetings. So um, that's what I'm seeing with the areas that I serve is mm -hmm. that there's still a lot that's either not happening or happening virtually rather than in person. And so I think that as a as a real estate agent marketing to attorneys is the same thing, though I was at the cocktail party for the LA County Bar last week, and that was I mean you couldn't even walk in it; it was so crowded. But I think it's a smaller venue than they used to have, so it all kind of trades out. But um, I think you have to pick strategically events you go to and make sure you're you're taking advantage of those opportunities. Um, let's talk a little bit here as we kind of wrap up. I don't see any questions that got to you yet. There, there's one I, I see. It says, how does the PR get paid if there is no real estate to sell? Oh, yes. Thank so, you for catching that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so in there, there, there are cases with no real estate, right? They might have stocks or bonds or something like that. If there's no assets to transfer over a certain dollar amount, then they won't be doing a probate case in general. But if there are, like if, there, if there's other assets, the same way they do with real estate. If there's no cash, but there's real estate, what do you have to do? You have to sell the real estate or borrow against it to be able to pay the attorney's fees and the court fees and all of that. And it's the same way if there's nothing but diamond necklaces or nothing but cars or nothing but stocks, bonds, whatever the assets are, if that's all there is, they would have to liquidate or borrow funds against it in order to generate the funds to, and, and usually the attorney is gonna consider that in the beginning because they're gonna, this is a very important question Obviously, we'd all deal with real estate, but it's very pertinent to real estate. But it, it's a, that's why it's an important question, because one of the things the attorneys are going to look at is, is this real estate worth it? You know, is the real estate a million dollar home with a one point five million dollar loan on it? Because if it is, there's no equity. How are we going to generate the funds to pay the, the, the attorneys and to pay the fees? So it's what attorneys are going to look at. What are the assets and are those assets? something that can be either cash or something that can be turned into cash 
so they can pay my fee as an attorney would say i'm not an attorney but the attorney would say so they can pay my fee that's one of the things um, attorneys have to look at because as you probably know if you've done probates attorneys don't get paid until the end of the transaction until the end of the probate case so they they have to do that so um so that's that's the answer to the question Okay. Yeah, well, so, the only other thing I was going to say is that my my PR, she didn't even know that she was entitled to any compensation. Okay, and obviously, you know, the structure, you know, 4% on the first 100,000 and then 3% on the next 100,000 and then it's only going to be worth about two something. So in her case, she didn't even realize it. And so her compensation is going to be based on the sales price of the real estate or is it collectively all assets, real estate plus any other assets? It's, it's that percentage of the estate. So oh, if there's a million dollars in cash, a million dollars in stocks, and a million dollars in real estate, that's $3 million. They get that percentage on the whole $3 million. Oh, great. Okay. And, and the okay. other thing is it also has nothing to do with equity. So if you have a million dollar house with a $900,000 loan on it, it's only mm -hmm. 1000 in equity, but they still get paid on the million dollars for the house. Oh, so my goodness. Wow. It's a, it's a good point that you bring that up because I've seen situations where we had to use that in leverage. You know, we, we're in a situation, there's some siblings, they're fussing and fighting. Uh, one doesn't want to cooperate. And and when we had it, we had a conversation, the agent got me on the phone with them because we're like, well, we need you to move this forward. We need this paperwork. We can't close the sale without this paperwork. And and what we realized on the conversation was the 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 party the administrator of the estate was hung up on the fact that they're going to get the same amount they're doing all the work they're doing all the paperwork they're dealing with us and they're going to get the same money as their siblings so when we talk to them about the fact that no you get to charge the same fees as the attorney's fees right not only that but that gets paid to you before anyone gets their inheritance attorney's fees get paid first so when they saw that they were like it was so funny. It was like night and day. I smiled and they're like, oh, oh, really? I get to charge the same the attorney charges? Right. I mean, literally, like the deal started going like that right afterwards. It started going fast. We closed and we were all good. So, so yes, the, the PRs get paid the same. The statutory fees are the same as what the attorneys make. So the attorneys don't relay that to the PR? Like my, my PR didn't know it. I told Somebody. her, I said, hey, you know, all this work, you're entitled to the same, the same fee as the attorney. She didn't know it. Can I, can I jump on this, Regina? Don't let the attorney's limits of their knowledge okay. limit your success. Okay. Okay. If, if you know more than the attorney, you get paid more than the attorney. And that's okay. And, and I say that with respect to the attorneys, because there's some attorneys who are just unbelievably valuable and have deep experience and deep knowledge and have huge experience. And they get they make a lot of money. And they're the ones who mm -hmm. don't really know what they're doing. And frankly, they're lucky that you or I are on the case to hold the hand with the customer because most of the other agents don't even know what we're talking about. And again, just at, at the risk of that, to clarify, what Regina's talking about and Kim is talking about is in addition to attorney's fees for managing a probate, for administering a probate case, the executor or the administrator, whichever it is, the personal representative, is also entitled to fees limited by law. There's a statutory limit the same limit as attorneys. So theoretically, it, they're going to get paid the same as the attorney. Now, you don't have to get the full amount. And the attorneys also don't have to get the full amount. It's negotiable down, just not up. And okay. if there's extraordinary expenses or work, they can petition the court to get paid potentially extra. But in general, they're entitled about the same fees as an attorney. And uh, like Kevin said, knowing that can solve some negotiation problems because there's another case 
not only that case, but the case where the other heir is in the property and forcing eviction, the administrator can take all the costs of litigation from that heir's portion. Mm. And so I got involved with the case with an attorney and I said to the attorney, listen, I'm going to advise my client that they're going to hire an attorney to eviction and they're going to go the whole route financially and all that's going to come out of your client's money. You may or may not get your attorney's fees because you're just representing an heir, but either way, the administrator is going to get paid. Either way, the attorney doing the eviction is going to get paid. And all of a sudden, the heir wised up and, and resolved everything. So, Well, thanks a lot. I, I You know, I okay. just assumed that the attorney would convey that information no. to the PR. All day long. Literally today, I had an attorney. I had a client and the attorney. And the attorney upset. He had explained so much to the customer. And the customer upset that they didn't get explanations from the attorney. And I think as real estate agents, we're the grease in the cog that can make things go smoothly or and 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 kind of smooth out the dirt that normally gets involved. And I think that's our job mm. is to be that person. Right. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Regina. Okay. Thank you. Um okay. Uh you know, I was gonna ask one more question, but I think we're I think we're over time. And um let's see, I don't see any more questions unless you caught one, Kevin. I think we're caught up. And you know, the only it's a shame here. We got some Kevin love, no Bill love today. Gee, thanks, Kevin, for the call. Thanks for all your help. Where's Bill's love? I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to be selfish here or insecure, well, but come on. Show on. You put the whole show on. <laughs> I know, but how come I don't get the love and you do? How does that work? I don't understand. Kevin, this means excellent. Thank you so much for your inspiration. Hey, come on, Douglas. Uh, I'm just teasing. Kevin, uh, you know, look, thank you so much. I can't even thank you enough for the work you do have done for me as a manager and as a team leader, as an individual. Uh, and I think most importantly, just as a professional in this industry, I really appreciate the the quality of the work, how you promote professionalism. You're always, I think, pointing agents in the direction of being better, working harder, doing the right thing. And I know I appreciate that. I appreciate your great support as an account executive at Loris Tower. Thank you for your time on our call today. No problem. I appreciate you having me here. Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to know or wants to be a part of it, my, my info is in the chat. I put my email out there. Of course, Bill knows how to reach me. But also, I'm doing a probate class on Zoom. Um, so it's, it's you know, virtual on January 24th at 10 a.m. It's Wednesday, January 24th at 10 a.m. If you want to participate, you can email me or text me, and I'll make sure you get your um, you get the info to register for the class. So thanks for having me, Bill. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks so much. And for the rest of you, just uh, just to, uh, again, put a, a reminder on where we are. This is Probate Weekly. We do it every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern. We live stream it on YouTube and Facebook. You can see past episodes at episodes.probateweekly.com. Continue the conversation on our Facebook group, Probate Weekly. Look for referrals for real estate agents or attorneys out of the country. Post your probate content, and you'll get some love there. Courtney's built a YouTube channel, I think, in our group, and as well shared with us some great information. So glad to do the same thing for you as well. My information, linktr.ee slash Bill Gross, if you want to see what I'm up to. And one of the things I'm working on is my real estate email masterclass. We get together. It's a one-hour program, and then four 30-minute follow-up small groups on how to build a foundation for marketing, which is really email. Uh, our guest today was Kevin Sales, account executive at Lures Title. There's his phone number, there's his email address uh, and information and a picture of him with a suit and tie on looking all sharp and professional. And then his book uh, on Amazon, Probate Real Estate Sales. Now he, his last name is S-A-Y-L-E-S. This is S-A-L-E-S uh, 101. Great book, I recommend it. I got 
couple copies of it and read it in detail when I started. Recommend you do the same. Thanks for being on the call today. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate you guys. Um, I will be on this call. We will be hosting it next week. I have an interview scheduled. And even though I'll be in Florida, we made special arrangements to have good internet access and good technology to, to do a good job for that one next week. So look forward to seeing you guys then. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.